0: Hi y'all, I hope you're fantastic and having a brilliant week, a brilliant start to your day whenever you're listening to this. I am coming to you from New York, I am in Manhattan, my second time here. Last year, this same week, I was here for the Goalkeepers Conference, but this time around I'm here to perform at a moth's main stage. Okay, so let me break it all down for you. The moth is basically like a storytelling nonprofit, and they help people shape and and tell stories from different corners of the world. They're based in the States, though. It came about, I'm going to try and remember the actual story, because the name, The Moth, is actually quite interesting. Their founder used to... Why is there an ambulance? There's always something happening in New York anyway. Their founder was um, loved storytelling and hanging out with his boys on his front porch back in the day telling stories. And they tell stories until late in the night, and they would have to put on the lamps and the lights on, right? And those lamps and lights just ignore that ambulance. I really <laughs> let me just check what is happening, lest it's my hotel and. Okay, it's gone. Um, So the lamps and the lights would attract moths. Hence, the moth. Yeah, it's pretty dope. And I've loved, loved, loved everything about them. I listened to their podcast religiously. Just um, look for it on... So I listened to it on Apple Podcasts, but I'm pretty sure it's on other platforms as well. But how I got to work with the moth is an interesting story. So in August last year, they had... They have a global community program, so they travel out and they select different people and you go basically for a storytelling camp. So I was one of the people selected. But I knew I was not going to get leave because I had already just taken about four days off. So, and I pray my boss is not listening. (laughs) But if he is, just forgive me, man. Because you were not going to give me leave anyway, so I had to do what I had to do. I got someone, I'm not going to name who, <laughs> and I got a doctor's note, long story short. G- gave it to my boss, which basically said I needed bed rest. But then I was at this week-long Moth Global Community Program workshop. And I worked on a story about my late mom and coming up with the 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 words that are on her tombstone because that was my responsibility. It was just such a powerful experience. I've spoken about it before on this podcast. It was so powerful. It was almost like group therapy. You know, you're with strangers, people you really don't know, but you leave having made such good friends. And it really just awakened for me an appreciation, deeper appreciation of storytelling. It's really such a powerful way to change the world, to inform, to educate, but also to connect Right, It's a brilliant way to connect. And so that workshop really gave me some of the foundations I needed in terms of skill to be able to help people tell their stories even on Legally Clueless. So I loved that experience. So that was in August. I think it was November, October or November of last year. They reached out to me and they wanted me to host a main stage moth event they were doing in Rwanda. Basically, I was hosting and telling a bit of a story. That went really well. I enjoyed it. And then it was my first time in Rwanda. I really loved it. And then this year, um, they reached out to me like, what, a week and a half? A week ago. A week ago, I think. Um, they were like, yeah, we would love you to be one of the storytellers at our main stage events in New York. And I was just like, what are you kidding me? Because I don't know if you guys know this about me, but if you're pretty close to me, you know, I used to have this poetry event that was every month about 10 or so years ago. And, you know, I'd perform my poetry and other poets as well and musicians and stuff like that. So that's really been my passion. Not not to say that I didn't like radio the time I was in radio, but if you knew me, knew me, you knew this was a slight deviation from what, as a creative, I really enjoyed doing, which was storytelling and using my words and stuff like that. And to be able to then drift back onto that path and to be performing in fucking new york like (laughs) does that even happen and then to be performing a story about my mom i just it sounds strange but i'm i can feel her happiness you know i can feel her smiling down like i feel like this is something that my mom is very proud of and and for me it's a way to really honor her i always used to struggle with how do i honor my mom after she died How do I honor her but not lose my identity? That was something that was very hard for me to figure out. I think I did figure it out last year when I did a capsule collection in her honor. Because that's something I would do and it was something that was still celebrating her. So this for me is another opportunity for me to honor her while still keeping my identity. I don't know, for you who's lost somebody close to you. What I felt immediately after my mom died is that... I tried very hard to become her and to be, you know, champion of breast cancer stuff and blah, blah, blah. Which is not bad because, I mean, we have to spread the awareness on the disease. But it was me trying to pick up from where she left off. And you see, in the process of doing that, I was kind of losing myself and my identity. So I, I, I woke up from that and I had a problem with that. For me, it's always going forward from that time. How do I honor her? Yes, but still keep my identity anyway. So, I have a meeting with one of the members of the moth team later today to go over my story. I did the school thing because you know, the flight here, I did the direct flight with uh, Kenya Airways, it's like 15 hours. you guys, longest flight ever, but it's less. Last year, when I came, I did the connecting thing, um, which is. Okay, but it's more tiring because you have to get out again, um, probably go through... Do you go through another security? I think so. Security search, which, I mean, is necessary, but ugh, so exhausting. So I do actually prefer the direct flight, but the 15 hours are long. So what I did was I recorded my story when I was still at home in Nairobi and... So on the flight, I would play it on loop and imagine it just got stuck in my head. I was just like, why didn't people tell me this in high school? I could have passed my exams. (laughs) But yeah, so I have a meeting today to go over my story. And then I'm going to have dinner with a few people that I work with on an initiative called Better for Kenya. So one of the people I actually met yesterday was Janet Mbugwa. If you are in Kenya, you definitely know her um she's a media personality but also a champion in terms of fighting to end period poverty and so we just had a good time we had cocktails and shots and <laughs> just had a slight girls' night out, slight. We have to do it properly. The jet lag got to us, so... But then today, I'm going to meet her and the rest of the Better for Kenya team, so that should be super fun. And speaking of jet lag, it's pretty real. I was up at 3 a.m. this morning, and I was just like, I am a lot. I am ready to go. So I had to force myself to sleep. They say for the first two to three days I think you have to like push yourself not to sleep because like during the day at a point you get sleepy because you're like but it's nighttime you know your body's like what is it but it isn't nighttime where you are so you have to push and just do active things so that when you get into bed like in New York time when I get in bed New York time I'm knocked out until New York morning not actually waking up at 3 a.m. I'm super excited to be here my performance is on Wednesday night please pray for me wherever you are i don't want to niche (laughs) aka fuck up (laughs) so i'm really hoping that goes pretty well i'm sure it will i'm sure it will because the thing is you're telling a story that's your story you know what i mean so even if you the words aren't the way you rehearse them it's still your story nobody can tell your story like you that sounds very quotable and deep right <laughs> nobody can tell your story like you know but i seriously believe it i seriously believe that um but speaking of stories 100 african stories i got to record somebody who is just hilarious i actually met back when i was doing open mic I'm pretty sure he either performed at one or two of the open mics, but he definitely did attend most of them. And he had, for the longest time, this blog that I would never miss reading because he has a fantastic way with words. It was called Dear Doris, and it was just his hilarious day-to-day engagements with this, trying to impress a certain girl. I mean, he's a really good writer. So I reached out to him and I was like, Ian, I think you have many stories do you want to be on a hundred African stories? He was like, sure. And so now into recording, he's like, I have so many stories. Nah, nah, nah. And then he mentioned, Amadou, is this other one when I didn't have money to pay for my matatu ride?" I was like, that is the one we want. So if you're not from Kenya, because from my insights, I see I have very many listeners from outside. A matatu in Kenya is basically the public transport. All right. So it could be a van that seats 14 passengers. Yeah, meant to seat fourteen passengers, <laughs> often overloaded. But and then there are others that seats more. I can't remember the big. I've never lived on a route that has the big ones. I lived in Langata, so it was mainly the fourteen seater ones. Or oh, is it fifteen seater? Ah, I forget. But around that number. This is basically his story of getting into this public transport vehicle the matatu that's what we call it and not having money and what he had to do to make sure they still got him home (laughs) yet he couldn't pay for the fare and i think he just comes up with a very genius plan but kids do not try this at home (laughs) A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in. University as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, There was a bit of frustration in between all of the... I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. So,
1: uh, my name is Ian and I come from Nairobi. And that's actually where I am now. But I spent a lot of my childhood in Kisumu. I saw Nairobi for the first time in 2006. I came for a funeral. I've never gone back. <laughs> so a few years back, uh, this was probably uh, 2008. I'm guessing the year, because I'm not too sure. Yeah. I had just gotten my Storimoja job as an illustrator. And it was, you no know, those entry level mm, manenos, your salary is just enough for going back to work. It is your transport back. So, uh, at that time, I was living in Kileleishwa with my parents, and Story Moja was uh, in Spring Valley. So let me explain to you, before I get to the story, just the commute to work and back. To go to work, you have to go to town. The mat would drop you at uh, Ajib. Then you walk to Koja. Then take another matatu to Spring Valley. But that's not important. The important bit is coming back which is from Spring Valley to Koja then you had to walk to Odeon then get another matatu to Kirelesho so now this one time I am in a matatu to Koja from work it's about 7-8 o'clock in the night which I'm not too sure of course, it was dark so I'm just <laughs> getting figures <laughs> and I remember I had a thousand bob in my pocket no other man and you just know Kenyan makangas Oh my gosh. You give them a thousand bob, you will beg for your change back. So all, the, all this time from Spring Valley to Koja, I'm asking this guy for my change back. And he keeps saying, I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you. Until we get to Koja and I walk out of the matatu. And I didn't even walk far. It was like 100 meters. And I'm just like, shit. <laughs> I have forgotten my change. I turn back and all these matatus look the same. I walk around looking for this guy, because you, you realize this is the only money I have, and from town to Kilaleshwa, actually, how will that work, how is it going to work, <laughs> so for a few minutes I walk around, I can't even remember the guy's face, which is so weird, because I've been talking to him for the past like 45 minutes, so I give up, I check in my backpack, and I find a ten book, which will not help me much, and I think for, for a minute, by the way, I'm, I'm walking towards uh, Odeon, because I have to get home. Even though I don't know how I'm going to afford it and I'm really thinking what I'm going to do So I call my brother pastor and I tell pastor hey you guys are you home and if you are could you wait for me at the Matatu bus stop so that you pay for my for my matatu because I don't have any money He wasn't at home so I can't help so I'm stuck I get to Odeon and I see a shop at a small duka There's normally this restaurant with so many lights Christmas lights Christmas all through the year (laughs) Then there's this small shop just Next to it, the things hanging on it, they are sweet suku so cool. And I see ino, and I remember this idea I had It hit me like a ton of bricks This is my only way out <laughs> And I go to this shop and buy ino With this 10 shillings, I can only get one sachet of ino Ino is now, it's, an, it's like an, when you have issues with your stomach Ino is an anti-acid So what my plan was, normally when you take ino When you put it in your mouth, the correct way to take it is put it in water, then drink it. Then it clears your system. But if you take it directly, it forms quite vigorously in your mouth. And that element of ino was my sole way out of this mess. I buy this ino and I put it in my pocket, my breast pocket, and I get into the matatu. The only way I saw this working was if I sat at the farthest, at the back of the matatu, between two guys. You know the matatu you have three guys at the back. The only way I saw this working was if I sat between the two guys. Because this thing would only work if you shock everyone in this matter. <laughs> it had to be done very carefully. So I'm sitting between this really big guy on my left and there's this woman on a, who's on a phone on my right. The guy on my left is clutching on his laptop bag. Then my instinct is like, hey, this guy is pretty and easy about my tattoos and things like that. So this is my way. Immediately the matatu starts moving, the conductor starts taking money from people. So I take my phone and fake a call because I need to get as far as possible from town for me to do this experiment of mine. So this guy keeps on asking, hey, Pesa nyuma, pesa nyuma, pesa nyuma. But I'm on my phone, so I keep signaling, telling him, hey, relax, I'm going to give you your money. Relax, I'm going to give you your money. It gets to a point where we are at the museum is roundabout those days there were no overpass they were just a roundabout now everyone in the matatu is looking at me because I'm the only one who hasn't paid and this conductor is getting very irritated by this situation I'm still on my phone because I know if my plan doesn't go the way I'm seeing it and I'm dropped here I'm finished because at that time it was really dangerous to be walking at night shoot I've, I've I've skipped a big part. Okay. Can, I go, Can yes. I go back? Can I go back? Can I go back? Yes. I've skipped the part where I actually take the eno at the beginning. Okay. So I'm in town, and the matatu is moving, and I take eno and put it in my mouth, but I don't finish it. I take just a small bit of it. But you remember I was faking a call. Yeah. And an actual, an actual call actually comes through, <laughs> and it's this friend of mine. I've not spoken to her in, in fact. We've never spoken on the phone. Yeah. So I'm like, hmm, what does she? What does she want? So I, I swallow the Eno and I pick the call. She's like, hi, how are you doing? Nini, nini, nini. Oh, I was just saying hi. Which is such a terrible time to find <laughs> out how I'm doing. Because your call has made the situation actually worse. So skipped where I left off. Yeah. So we are just past Museum Hill and I take my last dose of Eno. It was quite hard because everyone is looking at you and you have to... You know, time when no one is. And I can feel this thing foaming in my mouth. We get to the turn, so we're turning into Riverside Drive. And now everyone is mad. Hey, you guys pay. What's wrong? (laughs) And that's where my plan comes to play. (laughs) The plan is I fake a seizure. Mm. And because this thing is foaming my mouth, it looks a bit real. So I fall on this guy on my left, who was holding onto his laptop, who, weirdly enough, screams (laughs) out of his mind, which is good for my plan. So everyone is like, oh, what's going on? And I'm shaking terribly, which is not a cool thing to do, but still... I need to get home I'm shaking so terribly The matatu <laughs> screeches off the road And parks just after the university gate Of course you can't just come back to normal yeah, I'm still shaking I, My eyes are closed yeah. And I'm being carried out of the car I can feel myself being carried out But I have to still act like <laughs> Witchcraft So I'm being taken out I am put just uh, by the road There's a cloud forming around me And I'm still shaking off my I'm allowed to say ass. Yeah. I'm still shaking off my ass. <laughs> I'm throwing my feet left and right as it it's <laughs> chaos. I'm even shocking myself from the somewhere at the back of the crowd. There's this lady who says I am a nurse, and for a split second I stopped moving because i had not planned. This was this was part of the plan. I'd not seen beyond this part. So she like I'm a nurse. So guys are giving away, and I. I have to open my eyes so that i see what's now going on and from movies i've watched before normally when you're having a seizure and there's a nurse in the crowd she has this viral pen that she has to stick in your neck i'm forgetting the name of the procedure and i'm like eh, <laughs> i just need to get home <laughs> no virals please and i'm being guys are fanning me my shirt now is All the way opened, my shoes are off as in it's everyone is a doctor now And because I'm so shocked by there being a nurse in this crowd I have to act like things are getting back to normal Yeah So I'm not shaking as much and my eyes are open I'm not breathing too erratically Yeah So I'm just you know things have to look like okay so the worst has passed so she asking me all these questions i wouldn't know to answer she's like when did this start i'm like eh the more this happens the more things are getting out of hand if i bring you back to my plan my plan was i fake this seizure close to home so that if things go out of hand i can actually walk home mm-hmm. but chiromo is so far from home that not only has my plan <laughs> but there's a doctor who is now taking this plan to another level because the driver is like, hey you guys, we are losing another trip because they have to go back to town and do their last trip and people have to start moving. So the conductor is like, hey guys, should get back to the car and I should be put in the car so that I'm taken to the hospital. So I'm like, what? Another level of complication. This thing is just getting more and more complex. So I'm now seated at the front. I don't have my shoes. I can't remember who took my shoes. (laughs) My bug is, things are just not making sense. All this time, this nurse is holding me. You know, we are going to hospital. <laughs> we get close to where I live, and I have to convince everyone who's now so confused about this, that things actually Okay, I can, now I'm back, to, I'm back to normal. So I'm trying to make conversation with the nurse, and I'm like, hey, Whew. that was close. <laughs> now you have to look like you're back in the game. <laughs> Ah, so like, don't worry. Ah, we are taking to hospital. There's, an, there's a hospital just after where we live. It's called uh, our sister. or I'm forgetting that clinic. Either way, we get to the, my bus stop, which was McQueenie Road. And I tell the driver, oh, by the way, me, I am. I live on this road. So if you just leave me here, I'll be fine. Please remember the whole story about my pay is totally dead. No one even remembers. I've not paid. <laughs> so they're like, ah, we can take you we can take you home yeah. how far down I'm like ah, not too far down so go down the road and we get to our gate and the driver and the conductor who carrying me then i'm like hmm if we go into this gate and my parents see me being <laughs> li- lifted and lifted out of tattoo i don't even know how i'm going to explain so i'm just like ah don't worry the watchman who at that time was called william the watchman will take you from here like no 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 no. you have to make sure you get home safe i'm like ah, my guys i am all right i am I am so fine. I just need my shoes and my bag, and I'll be all right. My shoes come from the back somewhere. By the way, I still am, my shirt is still open. <laughs> and William is wondering what's going on outside the gate. William is the guard. He opens the gate, and he sees me. We, we, we look at each other. You know, yeah. I see you, see me, see you.
0: Yeah.
1: And I signal him, just a bit, just, just calm down. <laughs> I got this. So I have my shoes in my hands, my bag. And he opens the gate, and I walk in. And we close the gate, and the matatu like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna doctor. You go see a doctor, and I will do that. <laughs> and the matatu goes, and William is like, hey, eh, what's going on? Like, that is a story <laughs> for another day. And I walk into the house. I got home. My plan half worked. So how I thought of the Inno thing is, I'd seen it happen in high school. One of my friends did it, and I was like, ha. And for him, actually, it was. So seamless, no problems whatsoever. I was with him and shocked me. Hell out of me. <laughs> this guy has been in school for so how many years. I had not known he has a condition like this. So I knew for sure the shock factor is maximum.
0: Catch our next African stories in the next episode. So I have only once before heard of this Eno trick. Like using it to fake a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> I went to IB at a school in Nairobi called St. Mary's, a.k.a. Saints. And I just heard a story that some years back, there was an entire class <laughs> that did it. And some of the teachers were like, yeah, like, are they possessed? Yeah, because I can imagine seeing, what, 20-plus students having a seizure. <laughs> Even me, by the way, my first thought would be like, what witchcraft is happening here? <laughs> but apparently, one student um, snitched and like Eno you know, was banned. I <laughs> listen. Editing this story has been hilarious. So I actually recorded the story three weeks to a month ago, and I've only just edited it today. So I was like, let me look for a cafe near my hotel have breakfast as i'm working on this legally clueless thing so i use my gps i'm like searching for cafes there's one called something joe and one of the comments was that it's a nice place to get some work done blah 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 i'm like yes this is it walk all the way there i make it seem like it's far but i don't like walking but this town like it's better to walk but it wasn't far actually it was like a 7 minutes Yeah, seven-minute walk. It was not too far. For a lazy person, it's far, but (laughs) it's not. I get all the way there, and then I'm like, ah, let me just check my bag, because I feel... I was not using my backpack, not my handbag. I was like, I feel in my heart like I didn't put my purse in here. Open my bag, and for sure, my purse was not there. And I'm just like, fuck! And this place doesn't have (laughs) M-Pesa. I've never felt like, I wish this was home. Things work. Anyways, so I don't have any um, money, so I'm just like, fuck. I have to go back to the hotel and get to my purse. Walk all the way back. And then by this point, the laziness in my wounds is just like, I'm not walking that distance. There's a Starbucks around the corner. <laughs> It'll have to do. <laughs> Anyways, so I was there editing this story, and I was laughing throughout. I'm sure the people sitting next to me were just thinking, this chick is mad. Because I, Ian. <laughs> another part where he talks about the guy besides him. <laughs> Stop screaming! Oh no! And the part about the the, the nurse going, "I'm a doctor." <laughs> oh, that has totally made my day so um i hope you enjoyed this episode do share your comments and thoughts on it on instagram that's at legally clueless podcast or just drop a comment wherever it is that you're listening to it um i i'm going to go into rehearsals now for the wednesday performance and my friend chemba who's from malawi has she's also around so she tells me there's a block party in brooklyn so i'm going to try and get there after rehearsals and then go for dinner in the night and i will carry my microphone and try and just grab a few stories or like fun things almost like what i did in ghana and i'll probably if i do get anything interesting i'll probably use that in the next week's episode but i'll already be back home by then Anywho, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Legally Clueless. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.